You're listening to Dare to Develop, a podcast for creatives. I'm Christine Herman. And I'm Ashley Baumgartner, and we are two hybrid wedding photographers that dub ourselves work wives. With a passion for developing community and daring to take risks in business and art, we want to bring you along on a journey. The journey of artists, makers, business professionals, and more who want to level up their businesses by daring greatly and developing community. So let's get started. This episode of the Dare to Develop podcast is sponsored by Educate, Empower, Encourage. Founded by nationally celebrated designers and planners, Envision Events, and Birds of a Feather, Educate, Empower, Encourage is a private, online, members-only community for high-achieving creatives who serve or desire to serve, high-end luxury clientele, and who understand that we are better together. A space to develop, grow, and challenge yourself, as well as to inspire others, Educate, Empower, Encourage spans 22 states from coast to coast, as well as Canada, and touches more than 14 different creative disciplines. But hurry, enrollment is only open through May 16th for Dare to Develop listeners only, so join us today. Welcome back. Today we have Corbin of Corbin Gherkin Photography with us. She is going to talk all about her journey as a photographer and how her definition of success has changed over time as different accomplishments have rolled in, as well as the transition to motherhood. It's a good one today. You don't want to miss out. She's going to spread a wealth of knowledge, and we can't wait for you to listen. Today on Dare to Develop, we're so excited to have Corbin Gherkin with us today. Yes, we can't wait to hear all about daring to change your definition of success. Thank you so much for being here today with us, Corbin. Thanks, guys. I'm really excited to be here. So we'd love for you to tell us a little bit about yourself and your business. Great. Well, I am a destination wedding photographer, but a little bit about me. I live with my husband and my three-year-old in uh, the Princeton, New Jersey area. We're kind of closer to the Pennsylvania side. So think stone farmhouse, uh, rolling hills, really beautiful views, and totally in line with my vibe of photography. (laughs) Amazing. (laughs) Living it. Living it. Yeah. And uh, so right now we have been at home for about, I guess it's almost five weeks now, sort of in the middle of this Corona situation and definitely taking a lot of time to focus on family, think about work and, and things that I might want to pivot. But, but yeah, it's been an interesting time to sort of just pause and and really enjoy things that I ultimately think are most important to to me. So we're taking a lot of walks in our we, we live kind of in an area that butts up against a farm. So we've been taking a lot of walks back there. We're enjoying time with our puppy dogs. Like every day, I feel like I have a new house project that I want to tackle. <laughs> so I've, I've been doing that. And I'm a professional interior designer now, it seems. Um, <laughs> Can you design my home? <laughs> it's like, it's something that brings me so much joy. And, and then I think my husband, you know, he's like, oh gosh, she gets a look in her eye. Like there's the, because he's, <laughs> not, you know, he's handy, but it's not like his favorite thing to do. So yeah, we're, we're doing a lot of that right now, but that's me. We we're loving our little life out here. We've been up in New Jersey for about two years now. We moved, well, we moved for my husband's job and he accepted the position. He interviewed for the position about three days after my son was born. So oh, we moved up here with a newborn. It was a huge 
change for us just in terms of, you know, lifestyle, having a new baby, but also totally new environment. And, um, it had been a lot, it had been a while since I had done that. So it's, it's been a wild ride this, this past three two and a half years, but we're getting pretty settled in now. I mean, I guess the nice thing about being forced to be at home at the moment is you're, you're kind of nesting again and, and making your space your own, which I think is kind of comforting. Love it. So if it's all right, we'd love to hear a little bit more about your business and your journey of becoming this luxury destination photographer. Yeah, absolutely. So I, I should probably give you the cliff notes because I have been <laughs> photographing weddings for, this will be my 19th year, which seems oh. just crazy. But <laughs> my origin story, I started photographing, I started working for a photographer in high school school, a wedding photographer. And I shot weddings for her all through college. I moved to New York and went to NYU for school. And then I studied photography at NYU and Italian of all things. So after college, I wanted to find a way to combine those two studies. So I moved to Italy. I ended up living in Italy for about five years and I photographed. Yeah, it was a really wonderful opportunity. And I photographed nation weddings in Europe throughout that time. But then I got back, I wanted to come back to the States. I was kind of, I mean, it's so funny, like as one can tire of living in Tuscany, but (laughs) I just wanted to get back closer to my family and decided to move back to the States and move to Charleston. But what I was finding was that the, you know, budgets for weddings in Italy, and this was many moons ago, but you know, the budgets small had the benefit of really beautiful settings and environments Mm -hmm. that I truly enjoyed photographing in. And then when you took that same type of budget and brought it back to the U.S., it was really falling more in line with, you know, country clubs and and kind of smaller venues and places that Mm -hmm. maybe didn't benefit from an abundance of scenery. So I kind of shifted my business model to um, photographing weddings in the States that would have that type of environment. So I looked to places like California, uh, Napa, you know, Santa Inez, wine country type areas that would mimic the Tuscan vibe. And and I really took it from there to build my business. And I mean, it's definitely been a progression over the years getting from sort of smaller destination weddings to larger, more luxury style weddings. But a lot of that just came from building a portfolio of beautiful locations, establishing relationships with vendors and with wedding planners who not only appreciated the look of my work, but also just really appreciated the way that I went about doing my work. So presenting myself as, you know, a team player, somebody really easy to work with, someone who comes in little ego, just does her job and, you know, really takes it from there. And so that's been to my benefit over all these years. And now, I mean, at the time in Italy, I was probably photographing 30 weddings a season. Now I have really scaled back and I photograph around 12 to 15 weddings per season. Uh That's amazing. Just, I, I for one didn't know that you lived in Europe all those years. Yeah. And I mean, you can totally see the, it really informs my style. I think, I think just, Mm -hmm. you know, that old world European vibe is something that I'm so drawn to, not, not even just with photography, but with my interest in art and my interest in interior design. It's just something that I draw into my entire visual aesthetic. And I really try to put that back out there into my work. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I love that. So how has your definition of success changed over the years? 
Yeah, I mean, that's it's such a funny question because I it's a good question. I, I had such a different definition of success prior to becoming a mom. And, and I feel like that's somewhat of a cliche thing to say. Like, you know, I, I had a totally different experience after becoming a mom. I mean, of course you do in so many ways. It just opens your eyes up to, you know, different priorities so in some ways logistically, but also you just have this new thing that you love so much. And, you know, prior to having a child, I think that I was really very focused on career accolades because I, I feel like I grew up in a sort of environment. I mean, you know, if you can think of a stage mom in the best possible mm-hmm. way, <laughs> um, it was much to her, certainly to her credit and that she, my par- both my parents really encouraged me in the arts, but I think I, I became somewhat addicted to that validation that I would get from my family or, you know, being the quote unquote or art student at school or, you know, winning a lot of awards. So that certainly that upbringing and that passion for the arts so early on really extended into my professional life. And then I started to look for, you know, what would be, what would be my validation? Is it from clients? Is it from press? Is it from awards? And certainly within the wedding industry, I found that a lot of that came through features, these top 20, top 40, top 70 photographers. And there was a lot of focus on that. So you know, I think I, I absolutely bought into that. And I don't think there's anything wrong with wanting to strive for those things and, and try to accomplish those goals. After those goals were met, there's sort of a what's next. And the wonderful thing about becoming a mom was I didn't have to keep on experiencing that what's next. I could really enjoy the existence that I was living in now. I mean, my toddler could care less that, you know, Harper's Bazaar has named me a top photographer in the world. (laughs) In fact, like he would be pretty thrilled if I would stop photographing him as much as I, uh, as much (laughs) as I do. But, you know, so I think it's just, it sort of shifts your perspective that, you know, you're, you're looking for outward sources to tell you how great you are. And really, I get a lot more joy from him just kind of running up to me and giving me a hug, which I'm so grateful for. But I'm finding that I I feel a lot more joy in that experience than I do for this, you know, never ending hustle of needing to be the best, Mm -hmm. if that makes sense. Definitely. I mean, it's something a lot of us creatives, I feel like, get caught up in is needing that validation. Yeah. So that, that is really powerful. Have you experienced any pitfalls in your business or in your life when you were putting all of your attention and energy towards getting those types of accolades? Yeah. I mean, you know, absolutely. I think we all do. We've all had those weddings that, you know, the one that got away and, Mm -hmm. you know, the wedding that you just really, really wanted, or you just, that you really connected with the couple, or it was a location that you have been dying to photograph. And for whatever reason, you know, maybe it was budget or maybe I I feel like there's been so many missed opportunities just on availability because there's just, Mm -hmm. you know, there's just one of me. And there've been so many times where I wish that I could split myself up and photograph multiple weddings on the same day. So I don't think of it as pitfalls. I just think of it as sort of a different path. You know, I've been super blessed with the the recognition that I've received and also the support from my industry. So I can't say that I've, I've experienced things in a negative way that that, you know, that word kind of 
gives you, but it's just kind of, uh, so much of it is luck. And I, mm-hmm. I know that's hard to hear as a, as a photographer starting out because <laughs> you think, you think, well, if it's just luck, I mean that like you, I think especially nowadays and with all of the webinars and the education out there, people really want concrete steps to get you from point A to point B. And I, and I totally understand that. I look for that too, but I think you also have to have, you know, you have to show yourself a certain amount of grace that sometimes it's going to work out really well and, and other things just aren't going to go quite as you had planned, but that just means there's going to be a different opportunity for you and and a different way for you to make your way, you know, to a powerful and exciting career. Mm -hmm. I love that. I think that's so true. Can you, do you know any specific time when you felt like in your success that you made it, that you felt like, all right, here I am. Does that just continue to grow now? Have you, after your son, have you kind of felt a little more calm um, with your business? I mean, I definitely, well, okay, let's talk pre-Emerson because it was (laughs) so different before him. And I know that you guys heard my chat at uh, Hybrid and I spoke a little bit about Mm -hmm. this, but, you know, prior to having a baby, I would say I, I told a story about how I was abroad photographing some weddings in Thailand and I had gotten a phone call that my photograph was going to be on the cover of Martha Stewart Weddings. And certainly for me, that moment was the I've made it moment. And, and you know, like I said, when we're out in California, I when I got that call, I totally cried. And not it is sort of in a like a sigh, like a breathing out. Oh my gosh. I can like all the pressure. I can kind of chill now for a bit. Mm -hmm. So that moment to me just felt like it was such an outward visible recognition of a lot of hard work. And, and that came certainly prior to subsequent lists and all of those things are also really nice to have you know, to be recognized, but, but certainly the Martha Stewart cover was a big deal for me. I think mostly because it was a publication that, you know, it certainly had the quality and the caliber of work that I was for and the types of weddings that I really wanted to be shooting. So it it sort of felt like Mm -hmm. the, the ultimate, you know, once I had gotten the cover and then, but it's such a funny thing because then, you know, I got that cover and then subsequently had like, two more covers on Martha. And then when those happened, even maybe when the first one happened, I think I got it at the grocery store and I thought, Oh, cool. You know, and then, okay, what, what's next? And, and so, <laughs> so that's kind yeah. of a tough, it's a little bit of a tough spot to be in because you are the, you're ever hungry for more and more and more. But I, I do feel like that was an I've arrived moment for sure. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So what does that look like now, your definition of success, now a mother? Yeah. Well, so right now I'm actually doing this business course with my friend Ben Finch, who's a photographer in Tennessee, and he in Tennessee, and he is doing this program where it's it's really great. I mean, and I, I want all of the listeners to go check it out. But it's been so helpful to me because it's identifying, you know, things about your business that you might want to change systems that you might want to set up. But Ben told a story in a recent session and the gist of it is essentially, you know, a businessman comes to a small fishing town and he sees a guy with a boat fishing and, and he, he asks them him, you know, Oh, you could be, he says to him, you could be doing this and this and this. 
um, and you could, you know, sell your fish to this wholesaler. You can go through all these steps to become exponentially more successful. And then you'll be able to export and you'll have ship ships abroad and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, the long of the short of it is the fisherman says at the end of the day, well, so after I make all those millions, after I, you know, garner all of this success, what is that going to afford me? And the businessman says, well, you'll be able to retire in a small fishing village with a small boat and enjoy life with your family, which is exactly where he was in the first place. And to mm-hmm. me, like, and I'm, I'm not saying near saying the story nearly as eloquently as it was told to me, but to me, that really struck a chord because if what I'm doing right now, if all that I'm working for is only to eventually lead back to a life that I'm already leading, then I think it's important to look at, you know, what brings you joy in your life and focus your work on that. And so for me right now, it's not about bigger, better, more. It's really kind of about maintaining the, you know, joy to me looks like the lifestyle right now is kind of a quiet existence out here in the country with my son, you know, documenting him growing up. I don't like to be uncomfortable about money. So that certainly does, you know, equal a bit of financial success and security, but Mm -hmm. I'm certainly not your photographer that's thinking world domination. You know, I just want, (laughs) I want, that's almost comforting to hear. I, I want just a certain level of, uh, comfort. I want to be able to, you know, order the clothes from anthropology or net-a-porter that I want. And, you know, I, I really am focused very much on still finding inspiration from the jobs that I'm taking and enjoying the clients that I'm working with. So it's, it's not always more, more, more. It's just, it's kind of finding the joy within, you know, your, your current existence, which for me is, is great. I'm, I'm very blessed. Christine Nashley here. We're taking a quick break from this interview with Corbin Gurkin to chat about Educate, Empower, Encourage, our sponsors for today. EEE, as we like to call it, is an online learning intensive meets group coaching meets one-on-one help on all things running a wedding-based business and leveling up. The ladies of A Vision Events and Birds of a Feather shower us with powerful, eye-opening information and learning weekly, answering our thousands of questions and helping us move forward as business owners, something we've longed for. We've personally invested thousands of dollars in workshops, conferences, and more over the years, but the amount we've learned in such a short amount of time is just mind-blowing. The doors are only open through May 16th, just for our listeners. Mention Dare to Develop in your application for a special treat. Check it out in the link in the show notes below. Back to the show. I love that. That's such a good mentality to have that, you know, you're not always... You're still hustling and you're still working, but your goals of what you're hustling and working for have yeah. changed your motivations mm-hmm. and your intentions. Yeah. And I mean, and, but I, it's not that. lost on me that I say this from a point in my career where, you know, I certainly don't recommend anybody sitting still or becoming passive to their own success because mm-hmm. I think that that can be very dangerous. And I've certainly seen many a business, you know, m- moms who have children who just sort of disappear and fade a bit because they're, you know, Mm -hmm. they're focused on that and there's nothing wrong with that. But that's certainly not what I'm trying to 
encourage or say that that's what I want for myself. It's just, it's okay to not be constantly focused on, you know, the, the future in terms of things always having to be better. It's, I think it's okay to look internally that what you're doing is pretty great already. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I love that. So if it's all right, we'd love to redirect slightly and talk about some of your larger known yeah, things, um, particularly some of your celebrity clients. It seems like celebrity clients are a larger forward thinking goal of a lot of vendors in our industry. And since you've worked with some prominent celebrities like Joe and Sophie and some prominent football players, can you talk a little bit about what that's looked like in your business, how those connections may have, may or may not have affected your business and have they helped you grow your business in like the long run? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I I think there's, there's two trains of thought on the celebrity thing. I think some clients really do um, put a bit of cloud into that and there's a little bit of excitement around the fact that, oh, she's photographed, you know, Joe Jonas's wedding, or we did Dale Earnhardt's wedding. And there was certainly a certain, you know, group that was fascinated by that. Or we just recently did JJ Watt, his wedding. And, uh, you know, I think there was like a football conglomerate that was interested in that. Now, I mean, I, it's hard because I, I quite honestly don't know a lot about a lot of these people. But it is the truth. You know, I, I don't, I think it's hard for me to say whether or not I've seen a specific connection to building my brand with those celebrity weddings, but I, I don't think it hurts simply because it opens up your work and your name to just a wider audience of people. So I've certainly found that I get more inquiries through social media or, you know, outside of planner inquiries lately than, than I have in the past. And I do think that that is connected to the celebrity factor. I I would say that it probably goes as far as someone looking on my website and seeing a photograph of Joe and Sophie or, you know, one of those other celebrities. And I think they say to themselves, oh, that's kind of cool, but I'm not sure that it goes much further further beyond that. You know, I would say with a lot of my clients, they're really focused on discretion and they're looking for a photographer that's more understated, but also someone who has an experience, has experience with these sorts of high profile events. So in some ways that's appealing Mm -hmm. to them that we've been able Mm -hmm. to take on high profile weddings, command that type of clientele, but, you know, do it without a lot of flash and without a lot of posting everywhere. And, you know, I think that that's really a priority to, to most of my celebrity brides, but yeah, I I certainly think that it's a great opportunity when it presents itself. It's not going to, it's certainly not going to be your easiest thing to photograph. And, you know, I guess my, my best example, and probably one of the biggest celebrities that we photographed, but have a very massive NDA on their wedding, you know, the portrait session, part, I think we had maybe two, three minutes to get just about anything. And that's, that's very common with couples because, you know, whereas the regular person being photographed on their wedding day is something really unique. It's a, it's a special experience. Mm -hmm. It's something that they want to capture, but with celebrities, they're photographed all the time and they don't have the same relationship with photographers. They're certainly not enamored with us. They, often find us to be kind of a nuisance. <laughs> so it's, it's mm-hmm. kind of, you mm-hmm. know, trying to, to break those boundaries and, and the, 
the blocks that have been put up by their previous photographer experiences, that can be an interesting challenge on a wedding day. So I think it's, it's a great opportunity if it comes up for you, but it's not necessarily, you know, something that's going to exponentially build your business. I think it's just, it's kind of a nice press thing. It's just, it's, it's always, uh, it drives a lot of interest, I think on social media for sure. Mm-hmm. But not that. I don't I'll think so. Right. And I mean, I certainly haven't positioned myself. It, they've just kind of come to me. It's not something that I've positioned myself in the wedding industry to really focus on. You know, I think that the, those weddings have just sort of come my way. And for, <laughs> for whatever reason, I'm not sure. But I do think that it goes back to that notion of presenting myself to the people I work with as just being really easy because that's what they want on high profile weddings. They want someone who they don't have to worry about on the day of. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Makes sense. That makes sense. When going into those weddings, do you have like a certain mindset goals or just like anything you do because of how little you have with the couple? Yeah, I do. I mean, I think, Sometimes going into those weddings, I have a little bit more anxiety on the personality side of things because for whatever reason, and I don't know if, you know, if you've ever seen a famous person in an airport or, I mean, you guys live in California, so I'm sure it comes up, but for some reason, it's like our shoulders tense up a little bit and we're like, oh, like that's so-and-so. And I don't know why I still kind of feel like I do that before the wedding. So I want to take a step back and remember these are just there. I mean, they are, they're regular, you know, can we say they're regular people? No, their lives are so they're, let's, let's give them that. And, you know, they want to experience their wedding often in the same way that just any other person does. They want, you know, those special moments captured between them and their parents, or, you know, they have mm-hmm. favorite cousins that they want to grab a shot with on the, on the dance floor. I mean, a lot of it is the same. So I have to take a step back and, you know, just say to myself, they're looking for what I do on any other wedding, but I need to have the confidence to say to them, okay, this is what I need even if it's going to be five minutes. I mean, I've certainly had weddings, both celebrity and not, where they've just not been that into being photographed. And I've had to have a little bit Mm -hmm. of a pep talk and and it's often with the groom. And I have to say like, you know, look, (laughs) I need you to give me five minutes or whatever it is, 12 minutes of photo gold so that we can really accomplish what it is we've come here to do. And you're going to want these photographs. So I really do think that the celebrity aspect or even the high-end client aspect is is kind of a pep talk of, of confidence for yourself pre-wedding and just making sure that mm-hmm. you're going to feel comfortable communicating um, your needs to the client for for creating the best possible work Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. on any of those higher end or celebrity weddings. Are you also battling expectations of some of the other vendors that are on the team? Like a designer, planner, coordinator, stylist, anything like that, where while the couple may not care photos or being interrupted as much, the other team members are like, this is a really important wedding. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. And that, (laughs) that always comes up and, you know, the benefit of, I would say the benefit of being heavily featured in the press at this point is that I don't have the same 
need or hunger or desperation for that. It's always a nice moment when I, when I see it, but I don't feel that as much is riding on it for my, for me personally, because, you know, I mean, Mm -hmm. I'm lucky I've established my work over a number of years and I've gotten into, you know, I've gotten to a point where I can live off of that reputation somewhat with, you know, with Mm -hmm. dotting in press here and there, but it's not, there's not so Mm -hmm. much riding on it with every single wedding, but I absolutely identify with the newer wedding planner, the newer florist or dress designer who really places a lot of importance on getting that press. I mean, and I, I totally get that. I know how important that is mm-hmm. earlier in a career. So I really do my best to facilitate that for those vendors. And certainly, you know, we do a really thorough job of documenting any, any wedding that we're on these days. It's, it, I do most weddings with fairly large teams at this point. So we're certainly going to meet those needs, but it can be a little bit, it can be a little bit of a challenge timing wise. But I think that if you go into a job with a certain level of confidence and just, you know, reassure those vendors that you're going to do whatever you can to help them and, you know, post heavily, which I certainly do. And I want to be very generous with, you know, the vendors that have brought me onto a team. So, you know, I, I get it, but, but I think that, certainly the client comes first. And I, but I would say more often than not, it's not me. That's the barrier to those vendors. It's the client, you know, just because really from any reason to privacy or budget or any other, any other reason. But, but I do find that the client is more often the barrier to the wedding planner, the other vendors than, than I am. Mm -hmm. Mm, That makes sense. And it seems like you've put in all this work, you've gained so much trust from many vendors that you're going to do what you do best, which is photographing these (laughs) amazing moments. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Exactly. So um, I'm going to, I want to kind of pivot back a little bit to the client's experience. When you're talking, you were talking more about setting expectations for them. Do you find that you have to do this prior. Sometimes just like when it's happening, you're going to need to do this type of pep talk. Yeah. I mean, I think for the most part, my clients, you know, taking the celebrity factor out of it, they've really bought into an aesthetic with my work. You know, they've, mm-hmm. they've, yeah, Which is amazing. Well, <laughs> you know, they, they've looked at my website, they've, you know, communicated with their wedding planner. And by the time I arrived to a wedding, I find generally most of my clients are pretty excited to think about how I'm going to interpret their wedding day. And so I don't Mm -hmm. find that I have to set a lot of expectations when it comes to that because they're already pretty amped up about, you know, what Corbin's going to do on the day and they have a lot of confidence Mm -hmm. in my work, but there are certainly moments where I do need to set expectations. You know, I photographed a wedding in November for a wedding. She's a wedding planner, but also, you know, someone who I had become friendly with over, you know, various events. And it was just the rainiest wedding. It was the rainiest wedding I remember having in a long time. And we've certainly had a few doozies on the East coast lately, but I, with her, I was sort of looking outside and it was that type of rain. That's pretty much beyond any regular bride's comfort level. But I, I said Mm -hmm. to her, you know, I think we need to grab an umbrella and I really, I mean, it's windy out. I think we need to just 
go for it. I think we need to get out there, just let that veil flow in the wind. And I mean, those are some of my favorite photographs that I made last year. That actually happened on two weddings. We had a wedding earlier in the season, um, out in California in January. And it was like a freak storm in Santa Barbara area. (laughs) And it was, it was just insane weather. And that actually was for a celebrity client. And they were equally, what was so great about them was they were equally sort of game for making the best photographs. And they were absolutely soaked during their, their portrait (laughs) session, but the photographs are so beautiful. And they, they look at the experience too, as just kind of oh my gosh, I can't believe we did this, but it was also amazing. So I think if, if you mm-hmm. come at it with a certain amount of confidence and excitement about the photographs that you're going to make, as opposed to looking outside where it's absolutely pouring and gray and you're just thinking, you know, oh, I don't know where I'm going to shoot this and we have nothing to work with. Like going at it with a different approach and how can you take a bad situation and really rise to the occasion? That's what I find, you know, that's what I find my clients really love and, and why they're confident in my work. But yes, certainly I do have Mm -hmm. to present the idea to them at times and tell them why why I think it's amazing. Mm -hmm. So talking about those celebrity weddings, but then also your transition of becoming a mother, has anything changed in your work in art? I know we talked about the definition of success changing, but has that impacted how you do business or how you photograph your clients at all? Yeah, I mean, I don't think that there's any difference in how I photograph clients from celebrities to regular people. I think that there's more of a difference in the shift from certain types of weddings into a more luxury market. And, you know, we just think Mm -hmm. about what does, what does luxury mean to our clients? I would say these days, luxury means having some sort of next day or next week delivery of a preview of images. It uh, certainly speaks to having a really beautiful presentation so that you're not simply sending a client a link to their photographs, but you're making it more experiential. So they're going to receive a box of prints. They're going to have this experience of opening the, you know, the package and going through all of the images and reliving that to an extent. And then rather than presenting them with options that feel sort of off the rack, you're going to maybe present them with an idea for a custom album that includes you know, their monogram imprinted or all these things that just speak to a little more of a bespoke styling of, of your, your work and your presentation. So I definitely feel like there's been a shift to that over the years. Although even early on, I was really drawn to the aesthetics of a presentation and feel like that's an important aspect of my work. But yeah, I do Mm -hmm. think that there's been a shift even more so to that. And certainly, certainly the next day or the next week edit seems to be, you know, it's not, it's not something that's in my contract and it's not something that I'm, you know, guaranteeing that I'm going to do, but it absolutely goes a long way with clients. And I do find that the higher end the client, the the higher the expectation for that is. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it sounds like you're exceeding those expectations by doing the next day delivery or giving them a gift of prints yeah, for them. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, I, I do think you know, speaking to the marketing side of things, Samantha Roberts is great at social media. She does a lot at Engage and she's always talking about engagement and how brides and 
social media followers really react heavily to images that are posted within a wedding weekend or right after the wedding. And I, I tend to agree on that note, and I'm sure the numbers confirm it as well, but I do see a lot more engagement with my work when it's something that I've just shot, when it's something that's you know happening or I'm showing behind the scenes. I just feel like people are more invested. And even more recently, we had a wedding in Palm Springs where, and it was just beautiful. I absolutely loved that wedding. And we shared images throughout the weekend and, you know, shared them with a wedding planner as well. And then we ended up booking one of the bridesmaids wedding very shortly after. And I, I, you know, I don't know that the images, I don't know that it was just the images that they saw that sold them on our work, but I certainly don't think it hurt the situation because they went from having an idea of the experience of what it's like to work with myself and my team, and then seeing how that experience and how that personality translated into those images. So I think, I think it's a really useful tool, even though I, I, you know, might be cursing about it at 3am when I'm (laughs) actually uh, editing them, but, but I do think it's, it's important. Yeah. I was like, can you talk a little bit about what that looks like as a primarily film photographer, if you are trying to do that really quick preview turnaround? Yeah. I I think it's a bit of a misconception that I am a primarily film photographer. I love film and I shoot a lot of film, but I'm also um, a really proficient digital photographer. And I incorporate a lot of digital into my work, but the important aspect of this to me is that you guys can't tell. And, you know, my, my Instagram is probably a solid 50, 50 film digital. It's just really important to me that that work is seamless. And I'm really, I'm selecting the medium based on the sort of based on the parameters of the day. So let's say, you know, let's say it is that November wedding that was absolutely pouring buckets. I'm probably going to lean less on film on a day like that because I don't, Mm -hmm. you know, I just don't think it handles as well. And I want to maximize the amount of, you know, time and, you know, image potential that we have on a day like that. Certainly on celebrity weddings where I know that a next day edit is absolutely required for press, I'm going to prioritize digital Mm -hmm. on those photographs as well. And I mean, I won't say which ones, but I had two or three weddings last year, at least two weddings where we never took out a film camera on the day of. And, um, you know, I, I think you just pick what medium works for you. I I love both. I mean, Mm -hmm. I love film, but I, I don't think that you should limit your work based on that. So, so really that's what that looks like. You know, the next day edit is film. I have a, I have once in my career been in a situation where I had a celebrity wedding where we physically drove the film. It was a wedding in California. We physically drove the film to Richard photo lab and waited at the lab while they, they processed film, but that's very unusual and, and basically impossible if you're not, you know, close to your lab. Right. Right. That's amazing. I mean, I think that is a testament to your work and your consistency that most people don't yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think it just, it, for some reason, I, I think I got piled in with the film photographers and I, I love being amongst that crowd. There's some really incredible film photographers and I, I certainly started on film. I started shooting weddings exclusively on film and, and I love it, but I think it's, it's like anything you kind of, 
you know, it's a painter who would select oil versus acrylic versus watercolor. You just sort of think about what you're wanting to create and, and what's going to be best for that, for that particular uh, piece of art. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I love that. So kind of talking more about the success again, what are some measures that photographers and vendors should strive for when they're thinking about success? Yeah. I mean, that's an interesting question because it may be that my measures of success are much different than, than someone who's Mm -hmm. just starting out. You know, I think lately I look at the measures of success as directly related to the types of weddings that I'm booking. So, you know, my, my husband likes to say that, honestly, I am most excited when I've just booked a new wedding. And I totally believe that to be true because for one, it represents, Mm -hmm. you know, excitement about the work that I'm going to create. So I start to think about the location and her gown and the things that I'm really inspired by on the wedding day. So there's that aspect of it. And that certainly gives me that little like ping that you get in your, in your chest of something that's exciting. Mm -hmm. So I really feel that most when I book a new job, but there are other things, you know, I think that it's, it's great to see your work published. And I, I don't know that that has quite as much value now as it did when I was initially starting out from a referral standpoint, simply because there's such a large volume of photographers now, but I don't think, you know, that doesn't go lost on me. And and I think that that can be a nice accolade to experience, but, but I think that you have to sort of look at your life and say, am I experienced, you know, where, what's giving me joy? Is it booking a new wedding? Is it doing a styled shoot and having that published? Is it working on a personal project? I think you should, you just kind of have to look at your own experience and figure out where that little ping is happening in your chest and then do a lot more of that. Mm-hmm. I love that. Just figuring out yourself and comparing you to you and not to everybody 100%. else around you. Yeah, I was like, are there some things you think that we as wedding vendors can do to protect ourselves from getting lost in that world, Mm -hmm. like you said, and just only chasing that versus having a little more well-rounded view of what we're Well, I think you have to ask yourself when you're, you know, and we're all, we're all victims of this, especially now. I often think about it early in the morning where maybe I've reached to my phone, which I wish I was one of those people that, you know, slept with their phone outside of the room, but I don't, I don't like, I, Me too. I want to be that person, <laughs> but then I also know that I'm not. And I make any and every excuse as to why my phone needs to be beside my bed. But, you know, I'm totally victim to it where I pick up the phone and I open up Instagram and, you know, you're scrolling through. And I think you have to ask yourself, is that bringing you joy? Like if you're looking at your peers work and it's one thing to look at your peers work and say, Oh, like, that's so great. Or I love, I love what they're doing or, you know, look at so-and-so what beautiful work they're making. And I'm just so proud to know such an inspiring person. But if your head is going more into the space of, Oh, look at that job they just shot or, Oh, I got that wedding inquiry too. And I didn't get it. Or if it's putting this feeling in, in your tummy, that is not a good feeling and is more of a, you know, 
punch in your tummy feeling, then I think you have to ask yourself, like, is this serving me? And if it isn't, then you need Mm -hmm. to shut that out and find other things to look at and other sources for inspiration. And, you know, I have friends that joke with me or they kind of razz me like, you have not been following me or you, you haven't, you know, we've known each other, we've known each other for years (laughs) and you don't follow me or, or whatever. And I, and I also, several years ago, I went through this phase of just I I did like a mass unfollowing, which in some ways I really regret because I think I did it so uh, carelessly that that people actually were offended by it that I certainly didn't mean to. I basically just unfollowed everybody, everybody, everybody. And then in recent years started to refollow like dog feeds that are cute and baby (laughs) and like baby (laughs) stores that I think are inspiring and beautiful that I love for my son. And so my feed is, you know, really more concentrated on things that are just sort of interesting to me or things that make me smile and are very, very few wedding photographers are on my feed. And I think in a lot of ways, that's been an improvement for me personally. So I think you just have to to ask yourself, Mm -hmm. how are those various things in your life serving you? And if they're not serving you, get rid of them. There's no need to just be so focused Mm -hmm. on what other people are doing. Yes. I'm a huge advocate on that too. And I love the new mute button on Instagram. So if you yeah. do feel that way about someone and you're like, okay, I'll just maybe totally, just totally. for a little bit, just so you're not in that headspace of comparison 100%. so much. So, mm-hmm. so what advice do you have for our vendors who value accolades and publication to keep an eye on the bigger picture along the way? You know, if you're thinking about accolades and if that is something that is important to your business and a hundred percent, please don't misunderstand me when I say that I appreciate mm-hmm. those things. And absolutely, if I found that I were, you know, dropping off some of those lists or not being recognized as often, I'm sure that I would take notice and feel a little bit sad about that. And and also wonder if my right. business was keeping relevant. That's certainly Mm-hmm. To an extent, something that I questioned right after I had had a child, you know, am I relevant? Is what I'm doing relevant? And, you know, so I think it's important personally to set goals. You know, don't think of it in such a generalized way. You know, maybe target a specific editor or a specific planner who you want to work with or content that you want to create and do everything possible to make that happen. But I think you're in dangerous territory when you're more vague about it and you're just sort of expecting those accolades to come your way based on hard work. Because, you know, let's be honest, we're all working really hard. So I don't think that Mm -hmm. anybody I know in the wedding industry is working very, very hard. And, you know, they're often spending time away from family. They're missing anniversaries. They're missing birthdays. You know, they're missing lots of firsts and that, that can't go unrecognized. But I think you really do have to set concrete goals for yourself so that you have something, you know, you have something that's going to make it all worth it. If that makes sense, you know, you're, you're going to, right. Yeah. All of yeah, those all of this moments, moments are going to, you know, be validated by something. And then, you know, you can get on that list or get that great publication or, you know, win that top whatever. And, and then you can move on. Cause I think that that's, that's the really important part is for us to just keep on thinking about, 
you know, the work and going back to the work more, much more so than the actual accolade. Mm -hmm. Yes. I love that. And just figuring out the priorities along the way and that your priorities might differ day by day, but just having that on the bigger picture. Mm -hmm. Do you have possibly any tangible steps for our listeners who are trying to get to that next level? Yeah, I think it is, I think it's important to align yourself with vendors whose aesthetic really matches your own so that you can kind of work with each other to, you know, mutually build your businesses. I I think, you know, it's always more powerful with a team and some of the, the larger accolades that I've had absolutely have been a collaborative effort. So thinking about, you know, Mm -hmm. the times that I reached out to planners who, you know, had an aesthetic that I really respected or, you know, were working with people, working with celebrities, working with clients who really, you know, matched the style of client that I wanted for my business. I I think you've really got to, you know, go at it as a team and, and not think of it as, sort of a one woman or one man show. I I really do think that you, it's not, I don't like the, you know, the term riding on each other's coattails because that suggests that you're not putting in the work, but you shouldn't have to do it alone. You know? So I think that you can really build each other up in that way. So just finding your people is, is a very, very important uh, step in the process. (laughs) And if, if I think about the large, Mm -hmm. some of the larger accolades I've had, you know, many of them have been experienced with the same handful of people. They don't tend to be too spread out. Mm-hmm. Makes sense. Makes sense. Well, Corbin, thank you so much for sharing all about just changing the definition of success and what your career journey has thank looked you. like. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. This is really fun. Yeah. If it's all right, we'd love to do a quick moment of fast facts for our listeners. Yes, please. Let's do it. Better. All right. So first off, what do you shoot? So film film camera, I shoot with a Pentax 645 and digital camera. I shoot with several of the Sony series cameras, Sony a7R4, a7R3, and an a9. Favorite lens uh, on the Pentax is a 75 on the Sony is a 50, the Zeiss 50 millimeter lens. Mm. Love it. Love it. What is your favorite? I'm really snack? one for a good cheese plate. So, so I love it if we've, if we've Ooh. gone to uh, Whole Foods before a wedding weekend and stocked up the fridge. I love that. But, you know, I can also be game for uh, Cheez-Its or, you know, any number of uh, salty snacks. Cheese, cheese, cheese family, family, right? <laughs> <laughs> I love it. And on your way to a wedding or before an editorial shoot, do you have music that gets you in the zone? Yeah, or so I up? actually, I don't love a pump up type vibe. I want a calm down, like let's get into the groove sort of uh, music, but you'll laugh at this, but my go-to, which mm-hmm. I have to thank Shira Savada for, as she sort of decided and discovered that this is what we needed pre-wedding, but we listened to the Moana soundtrack and <laughs> that is really uh, I love it. for a sing-along and kind of re- refocuses, refocuses emotion. <laughs> yes, exactly. Not that you're welcome. Exactly. Gone, you're welcome. Though, right? <laughs> I love it. I love it. 
So what is your favorite thing to do outside? Uh, yeah, I mean, I am so into working on my house. I love interior design and I'm constantly thinking of little projects to do within my space. And, you know, I think my, my visual space and my aesthetic space is really important to me just in the way that I work in my process. So yeah, I'm always looking for ways to beautify my studio and my home. I think I'd be an interior designer in another mm-hmm. life. And I, and I was just reading your um, Instagram the other day about how oh my gosh, it was such a process. A but also, I think that really speaks to the perfectionist in me. I could, you know, I I needed to find that perfect space, and there's a certain amount of letting go required when you're house hunting. But I think we did ultimately land in the in the right, right. spot. Yeah, perfect. Love it. What is the best educational course, book, podcast? Well, right now I'm listening to Mike McCallow. He has a great way of describing the information and and making it and sort of simplifying it for people who might be more creative minded and have a harder time on the business side of things. So I've been listening to Profit First, but I saw where he just came out with a new book and this was recommended. I had seen him speak at Engage, but I also... Like I said, I'm doing uh, Ben Finch's business course and he recommended Profit First as well. So I think checking that out is a good idea and checking Ben's course out is great too. Yes, perfect. We can link those in the show notes for our listeners so they can dive into that a little bit more. What is one daring leap you've taken in your business? Yeah, so I think that move to Italy was probably my, my biggest leap, just sort of deciding I'm going to hit the road and move abroad. But, and, and I do think that that really did serve me, but maybe even bigger was the move back home because it was a new, you know, it was a new market to sink my teeth into. And, and Charleston is a tricky market. It's one that's established with vendors that have been around a long time. And it has, you know, the type of clientele that really relies on longtime reputation. So that was a pretty big leap, but I'm glad that I did it. I I loved living there and I, I do miss it down there. Mm-hmm. What is one thing you feel like you're great at in your business? Well, I'm going to say great at in my photography. Um, I, I am a great stylist <laughs> and that has served me beyond measure with my photography. I think the two really go hand in hand with my style of work. And I've worked, I've worked really hard to perfect my mm-hmm. styling, but I think that it certainly has given me a leg up in the industry because you know, it doesn't require an ad, an added team member to make sure that my images are clean and consistent and beautiful. Right. So that certainly that certainly helped me. Amazing. So where can our listeners find? Yeah, you? so Instagram, Instagram is great for recent work. Check me out on there. It's just my name at Corbin Gherkin, and then also my website is corbingherkin.com. I try to keep my lookbook, uh, pretty updated with recent work and recent favorites. So that's a good spot to take a peek at on my website, but yeah, Instagram is great too. Love it. Do you have any special announcements? Yeah. So, I mean, it's funny with certainly with COVID, I think that we're all at home figuring out the what's next for my business when I can't shoot large events. And I'm, I'm definitely in the same boat. I had been actually working on some education components prior to quarantine. And and this has been a good time to hone in on those and and sort of refocus. So definitely look out for a few announcements from me in the coming future. You know, my focus is really 
I think on the education side, I'm very much interested in portfolio review and I get a lot of joy out of helping younger photographers, newer photographers who are just trying to hone in on their visual style and their craft and how to really make that cohesive and consistent. So that's what I'm looking towards next. Can't wait to see where that goes. So we'll definitely be looking out for that. So in closing, what is one thing you want to dare our listeners to do after hearing your Yeah. You know, I was thinking about this. It's a good question. I love this quote from the movie, Sabrina, more isn't always better. Sometimes it's just more. And I think that that's something Mm -hmm. as you're working on those accolades and thinking about what's next in your career, really stop and think about the things that are currently bringing you joy. And then I think do everything possible to just maximize those efforts and focus those efforts on, on that thing, because you've likely already got something in your life that's really working well for your business and just honing in on that Mm -hmm. and putting you know, all of your focus on that one thing, I, I think is, is a lot better than overextending yourself into other avenues. And also just stop looking at Instagram. Those other people's work is not better than your work. It's just different. So really, you know, honor what you're doing. I, I think you're going to be so much happier that way. So true. Love that. Especially the more curating what you're taking in. Totally. <laughs> totally. <laughs> totally. <laughs> well, Corbin, thank you so much for sharing your heart and your expertise with us. on It's the my pleasure. Today. I really, really enjoyed chatting it. with you girls. It was such a treat to get to hear all about Corbin's journey as she became a luxury destination and celebrity wedding photographer from living in Europe to what it looked like once she moved back to the States to rising and shooting some of our well-known celebrities in today's world. I think she has such a had such a powerful message on what success is, what success to her is now, and how we should strive to find that success in ourselves. We hope you take her dare to really think about what success means to you along the way, as well as really taking note of what you're ingesting in terms of content and comparison and that everyone's journey looks different. See you next time. (laughs) Thanks so much for joining us today on Dare to Develop. We'd love for you to subscribe and leave us a review if you love today's episode. Don't forget to check out the show notes at daretodevelopodcast.com and follow along on IG at Dare to Develop. Catch us next week for more fun as we hear from creatives who have dared greatly in their businesses and develop community along the way.